0: Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons. We need to thank the following amazing people for going to our Patreon account and supporting this show. So a huge thank you to
1: Jonathan Renteria Elie,
0: John Helter, Jack Connolly, Derek Haynes, Alex Kazanis, Jarmaine Myrick, Tyrese
1: Walton, Allison Keane. Dr. Jason Woods. The wonderful Melanie Harker. The incomparable Sean Paul Ellis. Oh, and the phenomenal David Trumbore. Thank you so much. Now, you guys might wonder why we are thanking ourselves and some familiar names of the podcast. It's because we want you to know that we not only appreciate your uh, donations to the podcast here, but we are actually putting in our hard-earned dollars as well. So to give you guys an idea of what you can actually get for some of these monthly contributions through Patreon, if you can't contribute any money whatsoever... We would love it if you guys would just visit patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons, remember that's morning with a U, and just share that link out among your social media uh, pages. That would help us out a lot and just get the word out there. If you do want to kick in a couple of bucks, you get some cool stuff back in return. So you may not know that we send out a monthly newsletter that not only tells people about upcoming news that we have going on, and we've definitely got some cool stuff coming in the next couple of months here for you, but we also announce the upcoming list of shows that we're gonna be covering. So if there's a cartoon out there that you actually like, you're gonna get to hear about it in the monthly newsletter. Other than that, you also get special uh, thank yous in the newsletter. You get a special shout out like this one right here in each and every episode. You can get early access to weekly episodes and you can also get access to our special behind the scenes rambling between Sean and myself. Oh boy. Yeah, there's some gems in there. So you're gonna wanna check that out. Again, head on over to patreon.com slash SaturdayMorningCartoons to do so and thank you so much to everyone who is a current patron
0: thank you to our patrons thank you so much for listening and now on with the show
1: hello and welcome to saturday morning cartoons the weekly podcast that revisits reviews and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series coming to you from the island of bardos i'll be your co-host dave Drumbor. Joining me as always, and now made from one hundred percent Japanium. It's all <laughs> How's it going,
0: bud? Uh, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? Dude, you're looking super shiny over there today. Y'all shiny oh, chromed up, ready to go. I am uh, I am polished. I got buffed, rebuffed, Ooh, rebooted, so I'm ready to go. You're looking great. You're like Yeah,
1: thank you. You're like you're like so perfect. You need either no testing and no improvements.
0: You know what? I'll <laughs> This is this is crazy. As somebody who's written software for their life, like for their career, yeah. to have that kind of a bold statement in mm-hmm. this show blows me away. To have that level of confidence. Comp- I've only I've actually I've only ever done that in my life one time where was I've been like, correct? this is this is ready for deployment. This is a hundred percent done. And was it? And and it was, it was. I was very nice. proud of myself. So there you go. <clears throat> yeah. So
1: you you couldn't make that leap, essentially. <clears throat> You can make that leap from whatever that thing was, to a, a giant, like hundred foot tall, murder, destruction, indestructible robot, right?
0: You can, oh my god, you've done easily. it once, so you can do it again. <laughs> can I say the the best part about all of this is that the sort of the the how do I how do I use this how do I use this robot? And just as somebody who has done a lot of technical work, yeah. that that level of documentation always gets put to the wayside this was spot-on perfect in terms of the delivery of oh oh yeah there there isn't any documentation and the person who did all the work he just died so died, and he's under some rubble (laughs) so figure it out for yourself it if you if you are in a software engineering career man it is tough times to be a uh, somebody who does technical documentation because whoo you guys are the heroes what if you're in like a giant robot making career? Uh, well then I mean it should be pretty commonplace that oh, you're cool. just like ah, I'm just gonna smash a bunch of buttons and and see what happens. I like it. What the hell are we talking about tonight, guys? We are talking about Mazinger Z. Whoo! What the heck is this show? <laughs> <laughs> this is confusing in some cases, but weird. Uh, so if you uh if you've been following us throughout the the month of November, you know that we are doing both listener recommended shows. And we are doing also guests and friends of the show recommended shows. So last week we had super friends uh, where we had Joe Randazzo and Tony Lazzaroni who that was their recommendation for something to watch. And so Mazinger Z has been something that we've gotten requests on, I think both Twitter and Facebook yeah. from various different people saying that we should really check this out. And they were excited for us to actually delve into this anime. So we've done it guys. We hope that you enjoy this. We did it. You didn't even have to wait for anime April. Or or Mecha March Madness, <laughs> yeah. Need to punish John some more with things that he hates. Uh, this is really the the union of of this Zen diagram of of both of those type of things, and this, and we are excited to get into this it. The show today is because... like
1: yeah, it's like it's like midnight on March thirty first. It's like a perfect blending of those two months <laughs> worth of anime and and Mecha stuff. So good job, oh, guys. Man. Well done, guys.
0: Why would you do this to us? <laughs> hey, I like it. But for shows out there who don't know what this is about, maybe you need to lay it on them. Right. Here's some history for Mazinger Z. Mazinger Z, a.k.a. Majinga Zeto, known briefly as Transer Z in the United States, is a Japanese super robot manga series written and illustrated by Go Nagai. The first manga version was serialized in 1972 and was adapted into an anime television series, which aired on Fuji TV from 1972 to 1974. The second manga series was released alongside the television show. This one was drawn by Gosaku Ata, which started and ended almost at the same time as the television show. Mozinger Z has spawned several sequels and spin-off series, among them being the Great Mozinger, UFO Robot Grandizer. I keep wanting to call it UFO robot like
1: grenadine, like a delicious yeah, I keep, robot that's, drink. Yeah, that's
0: the word I see. Yeah. And Makin Kaiser or Mazing Kaiser. Whoo, Guys, those are a lot of series to get through. The crazy <laughs> thing is that Adam Grenier is going to
1: do the voice of UFO robot Grendizer, which is going to be great because he oh. is a big fan.
0: Uh, so It's going to be nice. I, I want to say the fun thing about this is that last week talking about Super Friends, And this week, getting into Mazinger Z, these came out around the same time in the early 70s. Yeah, And so when we actually, there are a lot of uh, interesting things taking a look at this that you're just like, wow, this, for its time, this was pretty well done. They did a really
1: great job with this. We'll get into it. I mean, last week we watched an episode from the first season of Super Friends from 1973. Tonight Ooh. we're going to watch the first overall episode from uh, 1972. So yeah, pretty close. Obviously, different animation studios, different you know pedigree to draw from. One was based on comics, one's based on manga. But it's it's pretty interesting East meets West comparison here, which we did not intend. This is just kind of how it happened. So uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Mazinger Z, though, here's a little bit of what it's about. Now this whole synopsis kind of wraps up the entirety of the first episode, so I'm only going to give you the the bits and pieces and a little bit of background too, which we don't learn. Uh, right from the get go. So Mazinger Z is an enormous super robot constructed with a fictitious metal called Super Alloy Z, also known as Chogokin Zeto. This is forged from a new element, Japanium, mined from a reservoir found only in the sediment of Mount Fuji in, you guessed it, <laughs> Japan. I love, they, I love that they work that in. Like, oh, Mount Fuji's been around, guess what? New element, Japanium, it's the best. Uh, the mecha was built by Professor Juzo Kabuto, as a secret weapon against the forces of evil, represented in the series by the mechanical beasts of Dr. Hell. Dr. Hell is a German member of a Japanese archeological team which discovered ruins of a lost pre-Grecian civilization on an island named Bardos. And apparently, the folks of this empire used an army of steel titans about 20 meters in height uh, to carry out their wars. So long story short, Dr. Hell has a bunch of these beasts roaming around, he wants to conquer the world, Dr. Kabuto has one of his own, but unfortunately, something happens to Dr. Kabuto that leaves his grandson Koji piloting the robot. And without giving away too much, that's where we're going to start tonight's discussion of Mazinger Z.
0: So, as always, first things first, let's talk about this theme song. Right. So so for this theme song, I really enjoyed it. It was kind of uh, a lot of like rousing music. It kind of really got you going, got you moving. Uh, The song, I, I will say this, that we did watch a dub of this i'm sorry we did watch a we did watch a sub of this actual show and so there are a lot of moments where we're going to say that maybe some of the subtitles didn't actually match up with some of the original content it was probably not the best subtitled episode that we could find (laughs) and so the bummer is for this is that this this theme song itself we didn't really have uh a good dub of it. So I don't actually really know some of the content of this. And in searching around, I've been able to find different versions of this, but not a lot that actually have some of the subtitles to it. I mean, it is an older show. It does have a fanfare for all those people. I'm very sorry. If you can find one to me, I'd love to I'd love to actually check it out to make sure that I know what this is talking about. But the the music, the song, everything is, is, is competent and fun and, and kind of really got me into it. Challenges, obviously, of course, that coming at it from a disadvantage of I kind of get an idea of who the villains are because of, let's say, they're attacking a city, or they look like they've got weird jaundiced skin, or let's even say that they have, like, a split down the middle of their face, which we'll talk about a little bit more for some of these characters, which, watching these things, I'm thinking to myself, what am I getting myself into? This is very interesting to watch. Uh, I'm intrigued. Go on. But... It's a bummer that I don't really have an idea to to kind of get some of the, the character names and, and sort of understand a little bit more about them. The focus is really on the robots. And so with the focus on the robot, I want to point out that this is kind of a common robot trope that we'll see sort of with the, you know, robot being able to, a giant fighting robot able to shoot its fist off yeah. and destroy things. We get a bunch of that. It made me think of my little toy that I have literally right beside me here
1: because he does this. Right,
0: right. And so we we get a little bit of that, and so that that's that's common for a lot of these giant fighting robots. Now, the thing that surprised me in a way that I wasn't anticipating was at some point our our titular character, titular robot fighting character, uh, shoots lasers out of his out of his chest, yeah, his out of his 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 nipples. Yeah, definitely. Nips. And mm-hmm. and just his nip ray just immediately melted everything that was in front of I mean, it in it melted sort of a, me oh mm. in a very in an almost gruesome fashion oh yeah it was
1: great i love that moment are you kidding me this whole thing was just <laughs> yeah, like wall to wall robot carnage nothing else involved just robot carnage
0: well were there any moments of robot carnage that i haven't mentioned that you were like this is the best
1: so i kind of liked all of it like like sean mentioned um i love it, it kind of has a good rousing instrumental to it but then there's this this the main singer the lone singer obviously in Japanese, is essentially like narrating with this fanfare what's going on. And he, I don't have the translation either, but he's essentially just saying like, super roboto majingo and he keeps saying that kind of over and over again in a fun kind of, kind of kind of way. But he's also narrating like, oh, he's choking out this monster. Oh, he's punching him through the chest. Oh, he's <laughs> about to just like obliterate him with a ray beam. I'm pretty sure he says the word punch in there a couple times or like robot he does. or something like that you can pick it up because it's essentially just walking, walking through the beats of robot carnage. So you've got Mazinger Z, and this is your first introduction to the title robot, but also the character and how he's kind of piloted. So with things like Voltron, Power Rangers, you know, the Megazords, um, obviously not Transformers because they're sentient mechs. But when we talk about mechs, there's always an interesting way to kind of find how the human pilot is going to get in that capsule to get in the robot itself. Uh, Evangelion. Same same kind of thing. That's always an interesting part of the anime to figure out how to get the pilot into the machine. Because they're so much bigger than a, a tiny little human pilot. This thing has a little spaceship, like a little drone ship, that just hovers and then lowers itself. The wings <laughs> fold up and it lowers itself into the skull of Mazinger Z. So it's almost like you're the brains and then you just... Pop down into your little brain case of the robot, and now you can pilot. <laughs> Which I thought was cool. That was that was a neat way to do it. I mean, it seems super not safe for Koji once he's in there because he's very exposed and he's just like at the top of his dome, and that's about all he's got.
0: Uh, well, you have to think that the the metal or whatever they're using the, you know, the, well, that the was, metal that they have or the that was just like <clears throat> a glass dome over him though, over the cockpit. was it though,
1: over the cockpit. You don't yeah. think
0: that there. You don't think that there was any of this uh, this Z super alloy that was incorporated into the glass? Like this I mean, was like maybe, some crazy gorilla glass? Maybe,
1: but at the same time, maybe just the hydraulics aren't that strong. Because if it was that unforgiving, then Koji should have been cut in half, roughly halfway through this episode, which we'll talk about. Yeah, that, that's accurate. That's <laughs> fair enough. But maybe maybe <laughs> it's just far down enough uh, that he's got enough of that, that metal around him to protect him but anyway i thought that was a cool introduction to how this thing is piloted and then from there on out they don't give a crap about the humans it's basically just this one robot going up against four total city destruction robots getting choked out punched and and blasted with this uh chest ray which i thought was pretty cool. yeah this nipple nipple, nipple ray it, nipple laser it was good times yeah it basically like uh, i, I didn't it. know what was going on but i was like cool i want to see what this is about because <laughs> it's basically all i wanted was just like robot robot action
0: this 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 theme song is such a corner case for us because it almost violates a majority of the yeah. the complaints that we have about stuff, but it's so bananas crazy yeah. in terms of what's happening, uh, the the fanfare of what's, like the to have somebody narrate the action of a robot destroying a bunch of other robots to then this like really kind of, you know, it's almost like kind of like militant music where, but it's it's extremely, like, it, it pumps you up. This is like the, I guess, the Japanese military version of Jock Jams Volume 2. I could see it. Followed with this robot carnage narration. And then suddenly just this, like, them saying, you know what? Fuck it. These humans are tertiary. Just get them in the brain case and let's hit them with the nip laser. And you're like, yes, that's what I want to see. That's what I'm here Tailor for. It's made for an American audience. It worked
1: great as trans You Z. did it. I have no idea where Transer Z came from. I have
0: no idea how they would name any of this. Some of the names for this that they would have localized this to make no sense to oh, me did whatsoever. You, did you ever but... look up the, the Americanized character names, like from like Koji uh, or from like Kabuto Koji to like Sammy Davis or like Tom? Yeah, Davis. Sammy Davis <laughs> or something. Like they, come on, it's like, I mean, the fact that they were just like, you know what? Let's just take everybody from the Rat Pack and just <laughs> yeah, it was really strange. <laughs> like, the, the that's matchup. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they couldn't use
1: Doctor Hell, so I think it was like Doctor Damon. Dr. Demon.
0: Yeah. Well, I was very curious about that, too, just because in the sub that we watched, yeah, yeah. Uh, there were a lot of times where they said Dr. Dr. Hill, Hill instead. instead of... You would hear them saying Dr. Hell for the actual spoken language portion of it, but then the sub would say Dr. Hill, right. H-I-L-L instead of H-E-L-L. A little bit confusing, but at the same time, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm Fair enough. I mean, it's... More confusing, and
1: we'll talk about it when we get to the the characters. I guess we can touch on it in the animation style. More confusing to me is how this guy was supposed to be a German-born scientist, yet he looked like a wild man who hadn't seen the sun in a long time, and his skin had turned purple from some sort of, like, I don't know, like a a silver allergy or something? Like, it looked... There's something very wrong. Like the blue man with the colloidal silver allergy? Yeah, absolutely. It just... it was maybe it was an allergy to whatever uh, metal stuff he's working on all his experiments
0: turned oh. purple you think it could have been a you think that maybe he could have developed like a, an allergy to the the super the z super alloy well i
1: was thinking that but then i caught myself because he doesn't have that yet that's kind of his whole thing is he needs to get that from his rival so that he can then use it for his machines and then conquer the world so that's kind of what this whole thing spins around yeah
0: so you're telling me yeah. that whatever cheap generic he's mm-hmm. using America It's sort of aluminum. like it's just American made aluminum. So he maybe has an aluminum allergy. And so I, I think I'm going to say it's from his experiments. I don't know why the
1: dude's purple. Maybe it was a bad color correction. I don't know yeah. why he's purple, but
0: I like it. I mean, it's I mean, but I mean, like we, we've we talked about this in terms of last week as well. You know, they we the, the villains that we tend to have back in this era, they make them very, very ugly. Yeah. They make them extremely ugly so that in no way, shape, or form can you think to yourself like, oh, this is somebody who would do something just or good. No, this is an ugly person who does ugly stuff, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> it has to be a hunched okay, okay. purple-skinned madman with, like, crazy, like, like, gremlin
1: hair coming out. I don't yeah. even know what that means. He's a weird-looking dude, and he's got a crab stick,
0: and I love it. Yeah, he's a mountain man with a crab stick and an aluminum allergy. Have you ever <laughs> an aluminum allergy? Have you ever heard the term crab stick before? Because I'm
1: guessing that it's a bad translation, but I love it so much.
0: I mean, I I'm assuming it's. A, we should give some context for yeah. this. So there is a there is a staff that he has. It's like a wizard. That staff. it's sort of yeah, like a wizard staff, and it sort of has two prongs that are at the top of it that kind of fold in that sort of look like insect pincers <laughs> at some point. And there's sort of like a little tiny like jewel, it looks yeah, like, yeah. that's in the middle. Yeah. And he, he calls it his crab stick. And this is sort of what he points to his robots in order to give them power to, to kind of boot them up, to have them go raise hell. It's like
1: if you, if you bought a Harry Potter wand with a, like, a, like a Bluetooth thing in it and you use it to change your TV channels or whatever. It's Do they really have that?
0: Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah.
1: You have to like wave it in a certain way. To like, oh do my the God. volume or the channels or whatever.
0: But well, it's guys, Christmas is coming up, so you know what to get me this yeah, year. Can't right. wait to get this Harry Potter wand. Need to you change want? my TV. Which one? Which wand? Oh man, like
1: what? What's in the core? I mean, if you want to get that specific, sure. But like, what? What design on the outside? Like, which character's wand would you want? Holy oh, shit, I mean, I'd, you went, I'd you want all Ollivander with it. Like, well, it needs to be a dragon haunch string.
0: No, I mean like I'll 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 keep I'll keep in line for this show. I want Z super alloy in the middle of Holy my wand. Shit. That's all I want. Yeah. Make it just a regular I mean just a regular generic wand. Mm. You know? I want it to be as simple as possible, right, but it's right. got Z super alloy in it. So like when I wave it at my television, a television turns into a robot, starts destroying stuff. I like it. Somebody's like, gotta somebody's gotta stop it, hit it with that nip hit laser. Hit
1: it with the nip laser. It's kinda like you learned a lesson sort of from Indiana Jones in the last crusade, but then turned it into like <clears throat> Attack on attack of killer tomatoes. Somehow, the only thing
0: I'll say is that I chose
1: poorly. poorly. <laughs> I think having a Japanium core is, is pretty solid, and in the Japanese I, well, Harry Potter reboot, that's a hundred percent what they're going to use.
0: I, I want to. I know that we we we're kind of we're, we've been talking a lot about sort of the the animation yeah. style for this, and I I, I want to say very very quickly that. You know, in comparison to what we spoke about last week with Super Friends, this show is a fucking triumph. Oh, yeah. This is a triumph of animation. Last week where we had problems where it was just recycled kind of Hanna-Barbera colors that have a complete absence of, of shading and and real design. Dialog sync uh, and things and like Yeah. That. <laughs> uh, the problem that we talked about with Hanna-Barbera cartoons where the the same skin or flesh color that they would have that would fill out their face... Would then be what was in the whites of their eyes. Uh, some of those things that are just kind of really, really crazy. All of that is gone in this, and it's replaced by people that actually look like real humans. That have, they actually do a fantastic job of making sure that some of the lip syncing uh, is 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 well dubbed, is put together. Um, so the faces actually have reactions in certain cases, especially for the younger brother, uh, which I can't wait to talk about this show. For the same time that this would have come out versus super friends, this is like this is an apples to orange comparison. I mean, this this is so well done. Now, of course, it's not without some faults. There are some small problems that you'll see every once in a while. But I mean, you know, as Dave has mentioned, sort of, you know, the 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 tropes that they're falling into with some of the villains about making them so, so hideous and so ugly. But, you know, it, it's hard to understand, maybe. Uh, at times, where those characters are from, um, or, you know, as we've mentioned for this this one doctor, for Dr. Hell, you know, that he's actually German. Uh, so nationalities are something that they're just like, you know what, don't worry, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll message that in, sure. we'll pepper that in with some dialogue yeah, so and figure it out for you. What right. I really
1: like, though, about this animation style was, yeah, it, it does pull from a lot of the familiar 70s anime styles. So if you're looking at, you know, Anything from Speed Racer, and I'm, I'm going to go from like 60s to 80s kind of range here, but like Speed Racer to, what What was the um, Space Carrier? Blue Noah? Noah? Yep, a lot like that. Yeah, exactly um, like Space Carrier, Blue Noah. So, I mean, it's it's that good, it's a good quality, um, but you know kind of what I'm talking about. If you know those shows or you know kind of this this uh, era of anime, it's kind of the same. What I liked about it that set it apart they had this interesting mashup of like classic 70s style anime with the the fashion at the time and they kind of like the high technology and obviously the mecha robots design and stuff like that but they had it mixed in with like classical greek architecture which was weird i mean it's part of the story that they're on this sort of like ancient greek um island that's where dr hell's lab is kind of set up but it's really interesting to see a, a sleek kind of high um high technology submarine kind of <laughs> coming into port. And then it comes into port for like all these broken down. Um, <clears throat> what do you call it? Like the, the columns and everything picture ancient Greece and then picture it kind of like disheveled a little bit. And that's what you've got. That's his Island base. I thought that was a really neat kind of interplay between those two styles. And I'm, I'm assuming that's pulled from
0: the manga as well. So you said <clears throat> ancient Greece disheveled. So exactly like ancient Greece, what it is right now. Yeah. Mm, yeah. With fewer robots, though, I think today. Uh, as
1: far as I know, they could be. A, is, a, they could have a okay. massive subterranean, <clears throat> like hive base that can travel anywhere and spit out both robots and submarines <laughs> anywhere in the any, world
0: at once. If we have any archaeologists that are are listening to the show, Dig let's idiots. uncover some giant fighting Start robots. Digging.
1: What have you been doing? Yeah. for
0: thousands of years. Let's get at this. Let's get we have digging. tons of we. We have tons of pots. We have tons of yeah, old we got jewelry. We got
1: shards. We got bones. We <sighs> got it. We got trash. That's
0: great. You're opening up an old Etsy store. Awesome. I Wonderful. get it. All right. Fantastic. Artisanal Let's.
1: Ancient cheeses. I don't care anymore. Yeah, Give me robots. Yeah.
0: Don't, I don't care. I want to find a robot. I want to find a robot underneath this ground. This Let's show figure it out. is a documentary
1: and it was filmed in real time. So I don't know why you haven't found a robot <laughs> <laughs> under <laughs> ancient Greece yet. Uh, look, yeah, you want to talk about the, the, the robot design?
0: <laughs> yeah you, let's get into let's get into characters i think we could talk about some okay, the robot design about maybe, too yeah uh, yeah who, was there who anything the that most, struck you yeah a hundred percent who is the one
1: character that stands out like immediately and not just because the person oh, that's introduced
0: uh so we have asla asla is,
1: slash baron ashura if you only know the trans or z character name
0: right so we have uh asla uh who is Probably, again, as Dave has mentioned, she's the first character. He, she is the first character. It is the first character that we are introduced to. I'm
1: going to go, I'm going to shy away from it on this one. Really? I'm going to say they. I'm going to just say they. They? Because now that we are in a time where sort of, you know, gender fluidity and gender identity and things like that is kind of a hot button issue. And not to be PC about it, but just to be more aware of how I talk about it um yeah i'm just say they i'm just gonna use a plural no. pronoun because there is no there is no uh, indication
0: of what this person chooses to be it's kind of both which is interesting that is a fair point and yeah. it was not it was not my no, of course i was not trying to make the point of uh of calling anything out obviously they don't really use any specific pronouns to identify this character 1972. and so Seventy-two it's 1972 and so you're right we'll use they i think that that's the the most appropriate just, thing to do asla, sure. so yeah so asla this character is extremely interesting because you're you're sort of introduced to one character and you think for two seconds that maybe there's a second character right that is standing immediately next to this character it, right. correct and so you're really kind of thinking to yourself, Oh, okay, there's it looks like there is somebody who is an evil woman and then it looks like there's an evil doctor. And then the big reveal is is that this person has a line that is straight down the middle of their face and they are both. Yeah. The, and, and they and are both literally so Asla,
1: to each other, like they change positioning, like two face or whatever when he, he talks to himself. They change positions so that, you know, when she walks off the submarine, she's going left to right and talking. And then the next cut is a person looking right to left. So you think, like Sean said they're talking to each other and one is greeting the other one. But no, no, they're the same person and they're just having a conversation with themselves. What I loved was that the the soldier or or whatever who was awaiting her arrival, their arrival, was just like Master Asla, and that was it. He had no comments. He was just
0: like, go on in. Doc's waiting to see you. Yeah, I really love the fact that they they didn't explain this, which yeah. again, it it could go either way for for people. They could really think, "Hey, I want to know what more about Asla immediately." I'm, I'm hoping and I'm expecting that over the course of this show that you're going to learn more about this character and sort of uh, maybe some origin or some backstory about Asla, because to hit you with this right up the like right out of the gate, this is incredibly interesting and this is very unlike any character that we've seen right. in a lot of other cartoons. They, they do a great job of editing this in of, of being very, very. Clever about how they show either a profile of Asla for the different persona that is speaking at that time. There are moments where Asla's popping out behind a tree at certain ah. points and you just see you see one half of the face and then it shifts to the other half of the face. What's, what's really so interesting they, about they, that?
1: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But what's really interesting about that is that we don't want to give you the impression that they are two completely separate personalities that are like in conflict with each other. No, they just sometimes they'll say the exact same thing in two different voices. But they usually, as far as we've seen, they are not arguing with each other. They are saying the same thing. They have the same mission. Sometimes they just have a, a, a female voice. Sometimes they have kind of a gruff dude's voice. But and honestly, then sometimes they have both, they have at, the both at the same time. It's a really interesting thing. that has nothing to do with the giant mech robot, but it grabs your attention. And you're just like, what is happening? So that was a really cool first character to see.
0: Honestly, I thought for the first part of this show, because we were given so much exposure to her, because we were giving we were given so much exposure to them, that I thought that Asla was going to be a little bit of a bigger character during this this episode, or maybe have a, a slightly more prominent role. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the the second in command right. for the big. It's bag. like
1: Starscream, or uh, who was second mm-hmm. to like Cobra Commander, like Destro, or somebody. It's like Goldar for uh, Rita in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That's a good one. But super fascinating character, kind of more so than anybody else who pops up. Everybody else is just kind of a generic, they fit the mold. You know exactly what they're going to be and what they're going to do. Whereas Asla... Really, you think even
0: even, uh, even Mountain Man, Dr. Hell? Yeah, I mean,
1: obviously. And I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek because he's just designed to be an insane, crazy person. And guess what? He's an insane, crazy person with a crab stick. So everybody kind of fits their mold that they're put into. And then Asla is the one kind of outlier for me. Right. No, I agree. So, so Dr. Hell, we've already kind of described him, talked about him. He's what you expect. He's crazy man lives under this like ancient Greek aisle. He has a crab stick. He points it at robots and they do his bidding sometimes not quite the way he wants them to, but so he's kind of buffoonish at times, but he's also completely insane. So he wants to rule the world. He wants to (laughs) conquer his rivals and he wants his mechanical beast army to kind of reign supreme. And we'll get more into that in the plot. But he's basically just mad scientist doing
0: what mad scientists do. Yeah. yeah. Stock uh, standard issue comes with the picture frame mad scientist. Yeah. Now, if we were looking, I was going to say, if we're looking for his foil, we've got uh, so we have Dr. Uh, Kabuto, uh, who is the scientist. Guess what? He created photon power and photon power real big it's like number 1 it's the one. best it's the best and it's everybody like, uses it and it's it's something where you know his intent is 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 pure as new fallen yeah. snow he wants this to benefit mankind he wants this to be something that everybody can use like a renewable energy source that's there that people have at their disposal and he it feels like he's just kind of given this stuff away he's like tony stark after
1: he got out of the weapons dealing business when he turned to like arc reactor stuff, and he was like, "Oh, I'm super genius. I'm gonna give all this stuff away to help the people." He's not nearly as egotistical or um, long-lived as Tony Stark, but he—it's uh, essentially the same kind of idea. He's the top of his class. He's a, like a lead inventor, and his latest invention, which we'll talk about in the plot, is like blowing everything else away. So I thought that was again pretty cool, but also pretty standard—like just like nice scientist guy who because we can't have nice scientists live very long in this world, he eventually meets his end um, before too long. Uh, sure. You want to talk about the kids? Yeah, let's talk what about these about the two kids.
0: kids. Did you have one that was your favorite?
1: I didn't get to spend enough time with either of them to really like one more or the other, but they're very obviously, one is a, a reckless hero, and one is a comedy sidekick.
0: And emotional right. and emotional crutch, kind of. Sure. So we have uh, we have Koji, mm-hmm. who is the older brother, who is reckless. You know, you know why he's reckless? Because he drive he because he rides on dirt bikes. <laughs> yeah, reckless. Because he rides on <laughs> yeah, because he rides de- recklessly on dirt bikes. He doesn't seem to care a nope, lot about doesn't stuff. Doesn't care. But that, we that have truck his, driver was not his rival. So we have his younger brother, who is Shiro. Who Dave, I think you hit it well. Uh, he's sort of the emotional crutch. He also has some of the best reactions on this show. When things are actually happening, he is reacting in a way that, as we've seen with some of these cartoons, especially at this time in animation, where something big, massive, you know, uh, world ending would happen. Their responses, because they didn't want to animate the face, they wouldn't have any reaction. They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't move. They would just kind of be static, still, looking at this thing. looking away so right you don't see the back of their head or or just be like a cross shot where you just saw like the shoulder yeah. and like the side of the head and so they didn't have to really do that much uh but with this you get this you get shiro shiro's responding to just about everything that's in there and it is great yeah. it is fun to see and thank god they're having him do this because there's a lot of tragedy that befalls this young yeah, kid very yeah pretty quickly and pretty often yeah in this show, so it's uh it's good to see some of these things happen but that
1: that was kind of the, to the point that like we don't get to spend enough time with them to give them anything beyond kind of uh, the the pegs the the shapes that they're supposed to fit. <clears throat> that doesn't mean I don't like them. I like how everybody's set up. I still think Asla's the most interesting, but the rest of them are are likable, even Koji he's kind of a jerk, he's a bit like we said he's reckless um we can't really tell how responsible he is. It seems fairly. He seems to pick up his responsibility fairly quickly, though. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, let me ask you about the two robots that we get to see before Mazinger Z. Actually, we get to see four, but only two of them actually kind of, like, do anything. So we've got one that has, like, head scythes that kind of stick out the side, like Hela from Thor Ragnarok. And you've got another one who has two heads, kind of like dragon
0: heads. Did either of these stick out to you at all? The first robot with the, the sides. Swords, yeah. It sort of reminded me of... Cutman from yeah, Mega Man, yeah, yeah. yeah just with uh, sort of the scissors turned down. Uh, I don't know. It, it just—they were all kind of fun. They were interesting to to look at. You know, I, I have I seen these robots before. Yeah, probably dozens and dozens of times. Yeah. Uh, probably not in nineteen seventy-two. You know, right, exactly. And so you know, for the for the time that this was coming out, it was probably interesting and very you know revolutionary. You know, the, the two-headed dog guy kind of looked fun. Uh, again, I don't, I don't know that they were necessarily super original. I don't know that the robots were necessarily, as a whole, very original in this. But just well, seeing I'll, how I'll people interact with them. And again, how you mentioned, like, how people engage and get dropped into the yes. little brain spaces. Uh, those things were interesting for this. And so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly kind of looking for, like, what what is the thing that sold me on these robots or Mazinger Z as a whole? And I really think it's sort of the uh, the human element of it. But again, those humans are very generic, and the robots are relatively generic as well. It's just sort of that dynamic or how they interface with each other that was interesting. I'll say this though, uh, for fans of
1: Mazinger Z out there who are pulling their hair out by by us saying that the robots were not original. This is you know 45 years ago, so we don't have the luxury of watching it for the first time without the interceding 45 years of robot mech history. So I don't know how original or how iconic these kind of were at the time i don't know if they pulled from something else or not i'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt that they were like they're interesting designs and it's also 1972 so i'm like i'm down this is fine you still have to make Mazinger z um or, or the devil z i think they call him later you have to make him kind of the star of the show and i think by having he gets a decent amount of time to stomp around but i think by having the the character like Quite literally become its brain, I think was a good way to do that it was pretty interesting. the design overall uh, I might not be able to pick this thing out of a lineup honestly and just be like that's Mazinger Z unless I saw the little spaceship float down into his head, but that's not to take anything <laughs> away from it. um it just kind of looked it looked robot suitesque to me yeah let's uh let's get into the plot, yeah. Yeah, let's so do this. Let's
0: get into this this uh, first episode.
1: I, I think do you have anything? We've already kind of talked about the introduction of Asla and Dr. Hell. So do you have anything from their first intro that you thought was interesting?
0: I really like for their their base, just sort of when you get that side profile yeah, shot of their the base. Cutaway. In my in my brain, as a as a young kid, like whenever I would play Dungeons and Dragons, or if I would play something else and like you're drawing out the map yeah. of like what the enemy's base looks like. This is the thing that I drew when I was a kid. Yeah. So I could not have been more excited to see this this cross section of this enormous underground base slash island slash submarine dock slash weapons slash depot. Telecommunications array slash, oh my slash God. monster spitter. There was so much that me, it really it played into a lot of just sort of like my like the childish mentality that I, I uh, that I knew that I had back when I was a kid. Where it was like, oh yeah, yeah. And these these villains are gonna have all these cool things, and then the good guys are gonna have all these things that are like a direct foil to it. And so, uh, it was just awesome to see that you know we have Doctor Hell. You know, obviously has been working on all of this for for quite some time. Presumably, he's like an evil German that like escaped after World War II yeah. that like decided like, hey, I'm gonna buy an island and then make it into a rad base. And you're like, all right, cool. cool. You got like your you get your yeah. sweet island uh german german space that you're working on here like yeah, i mean i feel bad for the guy he's got that aluminum allergy he's not looking great but whatever makes him happy i mean it's not a good look but i mean for him at the same time he might just be like look i feel when you're at that level of super science the thing that is on your mind the least is maybe personal hygiene
1: i mean i yeah 100 percent. which i feel kind of bad like you think that that should be but he's obviously got some other cobwebs up in the old cabeza so i don't know what's going on up there <laughs> Cabeza. but here's here's the thing and you made this point about how cool the lab is that you said like it's childlike and childish almost i don't think it is at all that's the kind of stuff that like it, it fired up your imagination and inspired you to want to create and see these stories and it was such a cool thing even if they just did like like you said a diagram or a cutaway or if you picked up a toy and, and flipped it over on the back and it showed like all the different areas, even when you actually got that toy home and it was just kind of like another little square of plastic with a couple little doodads on it. But it was the imagination that went into that that was such a cool thing. And that's the shit that's missing from all these reboots or adaptations. Like, look at G.I. Joe. They didn't do anything with any of the bases. They didn't do anything with any of the vehicles, really. And they barely did anything with any of the, like, weaponry. It's like, that's the cool shit that, hey, by the way, not only helps you sell toys, but also helps you sell the story. Because it's just like, it's just cool
0: shit. Honestly, maybe I should go back on my original statement and saying that it's not it's not that it's childlike, but to your point, it did spark my my childlike interest of saying, oh, my God, there's so much cool shit that's inside of this base. Oh, I want to go there. I want to check that out. Like, I want to I want to take whatever my super fighting hero robot and I want to call like I want to smash it into the side of this thing and have them fight their way out with these nip lasers that That's the cool stuff that I'm thinking. And I, I think you're 100% yeah. right, you know, that a lot of these reboots, a lot of these toys, a lot of the things that we have are are really kind of missing, you know, so much of that that base mentality or sort of, you know, uh, where do these villains live? Where do these heroes live? And I, immediately the first thing I thought of is like the Technodrome yeah. in Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Me, yeah. which, it's also a toy that Dave is sitting next to. <laughs> you know, you think about you think about even the the ghostbusters firehouse yeah. from the 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 ghostbusters toys that they had uh the castle gray skull from he-man all of these things that they had i remember having friends or or being around or going into toy stores and being like oh my god that's the thing i yeah. want i want that Plus base it was great because
1: it was a massive fucking box too so you could it was just like this huge, you're used to having these tiny little like the action figures and whatever and you get used to that scale so when you see something that's like as big as your child, you know, childlike body, <laughs> that it's it's cool. You ought to take that apart and take it home and build it.
0: Yeah, that's cool stuff. I remember, I remember all of those. Uh, I have a whole bunch of. I found these recently out in the garage. It's a whole bunch of like small uh, Star Wars, like dioramas, oh. uh, that they had that were like miniatures. I think they were like micro machines. Oh, okay. Yeah. At, at the time, but it was you know like the the force moon of Endor battle yeah, set. Yeah. Uh, and so it was It was that same idea where it was the, the landscape where you could have, like, where you could play with the toys that you had to make it feel like they were incorporated into that world that they existed right. in. And that was my favorite part of having yeah, all that Yeah, I love stuff. that. And that was the best part of seeing the cross-section of this base. I immediately wanted to just, like, bust out some paper and, like, a pencil and just, and just be it. like, all yeah. right, I got... Uh, you know what? Cool base, Dr. Hell. I'm about to create my cooler base right now. Get ready for this, Dr. Sean. Here's here's what I love, though, Dr. Sean, that
1: in this kind of narration, so as they're showing, they're scrolling down this ridiculous base, which keeps getting bigger and bigger and has more and more crazy stuff in it. It's, it's kind of like a Death Star underwater, <laughs> right? It's got all these like transportation things and telecommunication things, but as they're scrolling down and you're getting to see all this stuff, it, it kind of intercuts with the diagram and then the, the people who are working in each of those stations. But he also just says crazy shit. Like, it can go anywhere in the in the world. You're like, all right, check. It can teleport my monsters anywhere I want them to be. All right, check. It can communicate with anybody, anytime, anywhere. And you're like, all right, man, sounds good. You're telling me these things and I have no reason to not believe you. So it sounds good. And he's like, and the, and the name of this base is deus ex machina. Yeah, basically. But, like, I, okay, but that cool. kind of stuff is like, <clears throat> if you set it up and just say it, that early on you still have that you, you've got enough kind of free uh you've got enough goodwill built up at the beginning that you can
0: just say this shit and then
1: move on to the next thing before anybody asks any questions which i liked.
0: and i mean they really do they they blow past this this laundry list of awesome <laughs> yeah. things very quickly because like, they're like you'll deal yeah, with it from
1: now on when we show up random places like if we go from greece to japan in a half an hour you're gonna know why that's totally doable uh speaking of labs though what's going on at photon power lab
0: Oh, man. They are in the process. On the outside, but what they got inside? Well, inside, it's pretty cool because this is where they're doing a press conference for this uh, Z Super Alloy, where we've talked enough about this. And it plays into the the standard trope that we've talked about a bunch on this show, you know, with having like different metals or different elements that they create that's specific to this in order to allow them to have some awesome, magnificent power that they can create and weld. On no botanium. Wield. Unobtainium. We've had. We've had. Yeah, we we welded as well. We've had so many of these different types of special elements and and things that have been created directly for the cartoon itself. Can I ask you a question? I want you to rank these four
1: fictional metals. Let's do it. All right. Gundanium. (laughs) Just wait. I know you hate that one. Gundanium. Japanium. Adamantium.
0: Unobtainium. Oof. It's hard uh adamantium first nice. uh is uh what was it the uh the japan japanium. japanium okay japanium second really uh yeah, gundanium third uh unobtainium fourth because fuck you avatar, yeah.
1: I think I'd switch two and three, Japanium just sounds lazy to me, <laughs> but
0: oh, I think it does too, but i actually I love the fact that for the pride of his country, he's like, I've created this thing that's only in, in a place that's localized to where we are and I named it after this, like I named it after our great nation and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I kind of get behind but. it.
1: But at the same time, it's like you could have gotten more specific with it. Like it could have been like Fujinium or something, which is a terrible name,
0: but it could have been like. I mean, it could have been Giant Fighting robot anium, but at ooh, some yeah, point. Giant Fighting yeah. robot anum, <laughs> anium, an- anus, anus, anus? Fujinium I would have been okay with. Not really. Fujinium? What about uh, Davanium? No, don't like it. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyway,
1: so what what's, about, going, what's going uh, on? What about now? what about nope.
0: what about Z super Z Dave alloy?
1: alloy stuff? What what is this stuff about?
0: What can it do? Why is it the number one invention in the world? Uh, it seems to absorb uh, a I certain amount of. I don't. I don't really know what it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. My. My comment from watching this section of the show was this seems like a really unsafe press conference because <laughs> yes. at some point they shoot this stuff with a bunch of lasers and it just shoots sparks. Yeah. And all of the all of the reporters uh-huh. look away and sort of cringe and and recoil. Yeah. Like an explosion and was in they, it. Yeah. And we've got we've got our good doctor who just I wanna almost call him just like Dr. Good. Just call him Dr. Dr. Good got Dr. Or Dr. Hell, Dr. K is fine. Dr. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So we've got uh we've got Dr. Dr. Good. Who just is like looking on and like doesn't move when all these sparks are flying? Like it's like he leans
1: a thousand times. He knows what's gonna happen. He is leaning in closer like a creep. I love love that we we eventually come to find that he's got a lot of this stuff available and has put it to an interesting use. So I don't know why he's just showing a small cube to a bunch of like local reporters, but they (laughs) and he's just he shoots lasers at it and then he shoots more lasers at it and then he's like, that's it, end of the press conference. So I'm like, I don't know what this thing is supposed to do, but I guess it's cool, I guess. It, it's in yeah. like direct contrast to the earlier robots when they use their lasers to like melt metal instantly. So he's, he's well, they're and, showing that, and then they're showing this and being like, this thing's going to be super resistant to robot lasers. Yeah.
0: Well, they have this point where they, they talk about uh, the this giant uh, two-headed dog yeah. robot that we see that's in our bad guy's lair. And he shoots these beams at some point, and it melts metal in one second. And then, conversely, then we show the good guys, and they are shooting beams at metal, and they're like, this Z super alloy absorbs those rays. It doesn't break down, and it doesn't melt. And so, in my brain, I, it was it was them saying like, we can melt metal, and then it was the good guys saying like, oh, we've got like unmeltable metal. See, I
1: basically just looked at it by seeing the yeah the bad guys saying our robots the best, and then the the good guys saying like. Your robot ain't got shit on this thing I'm about to make.
0: But I mean, I think this is a potato potato. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> but what's interesting then is that because of this press conference, we learn that Dr. Good is going to resign and retire to pursue some sort of mysterious personal quest and basically give the entire Photon Power Lab over to his protege, his second in command. But at the same time, right. Dr. Hell learns this as well, somehow. So he learns through his crazy communication. Substation that his rival is retiring, but also that he's unveiled this uh, super alloy Z to the world. So he sends his second in command to not only k- kill Dr. Good, steal his stuff, and then bring it back so he can use it for his robots to take over the world. And that sets up pretty much probably the rest of the series, but at least the rest of this first episode. So what do we have uh, Asla up to? She they can't find Dr. Good. Because he's in hiding somewhere. So what's the next best thing?
0: Right. Uh, so he evidently has some grandkids yeah. that are staying at a house, and so they they go and knock on the door to, you know, presumably use the the grandkids as bait or just sign or just try to ascertain the location of uh, our good doctor. Yeah. You know, possibly see if they have a location where they know where he's located. But
1: these kids now that I have a hold question on. I'm because... Sorry,
0: I said <laughs> I said possibly use the location to understand where he's located. Holy shit. Possibly figure out where he's located,
1: and I mean, a good plan. But what we don't know about these kids, we learn that they're brothers, and we learn kind of, you know, reckless hero versus uh, kind of comedic, you know, comedy sidekick chilling on the couch. Uh, <clears throat> what we don't know is like what happened to their parents and where their parents are. Who this mysterious Lily person is? Because I don't think it's their mom, because you wouldn't just call your mom Lily. So, I'm assuming babysitter. I mean, like, what, if, were, like,
0: what if she? But what if she was a cool mom? <laughs> She could be, or this she could be just a, be a little like a, cool, a shitty little kid. True. I think this is a babysitter. <clears throat> so, I, we get this point where we have we have Asla knock on the door, crab stick in hand. Asks Lily, well, only, you know where? She puts her lady face. Only right, she puts her lady face through, which is <laughs> like it's challenging because it's it's. It's probably the most unsettling face to yeah. look at because it's like all white. We should mention that. It's very, very white. The dude, the side, the dude side of their face is regular flesh type. Yeah, but he looks Lady like, side? he
1: looks like a bad guy, like a like a bandit you'd meet on the road in Skyrim <clears throat> or something. Like he looks kinda grizzled and kinda and he's under like a hood.
0: He looks sure. not of, super great. Of course, it's it's you know, it's that trope of like we have to make these villains extremely ugly because otherwise they'd be doing good things in life if they were attractive. You're like, I, okay, yeah. doesn't make so any even, sense. Yeah, even oh, Asla's like, female wow. side is like, it's
1: feminine, but it's also really, it, she looks like the Maleficent. Wicked yeah, witch. Yeah, 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 she looks like Maleficent. She's got that going on. So that's the face she presents to Lily, the caretaker, at the Kabuto
0: house. <laughs> Who she immediately screams, freaks out. Yes. Like They're trying to figure out what's going on. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't really, Lily doesn't have any information. Boy, and so, I, I don't know though. Uh, because in this like final second that they that they're talking, sh- we have Asla shoots her in the face, but it looks like a lightning bolt. Oh, so it was her, like just right between the eyes. So she
1: she does learn that he's on Mount Fuji, <clears throat> right? He says like, oh, he's got a summer cabin or something on Mount Fuji. She's like, great, that's all I need to know. And then Bzz, crab stick to the eyes. I didn't know if she was knocked unconscious, if she was just like paralyzed. So when the
0: kids come home, <laughs> turns out we have sh- Well, Shiro comes downstairs. Yeah. And he's immediately just like, "Uh oh, is she okay?" <laughs> Looks at her. No, she's, she's dead. She's straight yeah, up I dead. Mean, to
1: the point that they even went so far as to like pale all of her skin so that her skin tone went like white <laughs> compared to everybody else. Super dead. So then um, Koji comes comes home from his joyride, finds his brother like crying over the body of their caretaker, and then checks on her, and they're both just like, "Nope, she dead." So she dead. they put two and two together because Koji saw that the gang take off, and they. He like looks around, and he's like, I don't know where they went. I don't know what to do. So of course they then get a phone call. So so now we cut to like Good Doc where he's hanging out in Mount Fuji, just chilling, minding his own business, putting robots together, doing his thing.
0: So this is the interesting part where he looks out the window and sort of sees some of these people <laughs> that are outside, and then he says he's in our sub, he just goes, "Oh, the button men." And I was like, "I'm sorry, button what men is a, is a term for a hitman?" So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah was kind of a. I, I didn't know if that was like i didn't i didn't know that it was a term for a hitman. i thought that it was like the name of the, the could, group of be. people that asla had in her in in their party that they were just all called button men i was like oh okay that well, checks you, out I'm it makes gonna sense let ask you this though
1: like what a very specific way to go about assassinating somebody because they have to like they're not just going to like take this dude out they need to they need to bomb him to death so that the that his entire like summer cabin at the base of Mount Fuji implodes upon itself. But then they, but like this, they just leave. But this plan they don't makes even, no, no, no sense. Because sense. Because they don't even <coughs> check on him. They cut his phone lines, they blow his house up, and then that's it.
0: Right. And if you remember, Dr. Hell was like, kill him, get his technology, yeah. bring it back here so I can rule. So just blowing him up doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. You know? They didn't even also, check to make sure he was dead. Yeah. Not to mention you know we we talked about this at the very beginning of the show you know of course if you have somebody who's alive that can tell you how to use this device and how to like capture them don't kill that person right away capture them they might be the only source of knowledge to transfer to the rest of your team to figure out how to use this fighting
1: robot no of course
0: their their loved
1: ones (laughs) as leverage whatever you want to do come on it's villain 101
0: cut Cut the line! Blow up the house! Everybody skedaddle! I love that Doctor
1: Good only has enough time in two different scenes to tell Koji and Shiro just
0: enough to get them into like more danger and trouble, which was super cute. Because so, yeah. I mean, we 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 can so Koji and Shiro show up. Right. They see that the house has been completely destroyed. They uh, as they're sort of surging <laughs> through the rubble. Falls to his death. Shiro. Yeah, Shiro falls down a, a little hatch that's under the floor. That like at the very last minute before the house blows up, we see our good doctor jump down into this thing. And so you're just like, oh, okay, he's saved. No, guess what? House on the side of the cliff, not very structurally sound. I love that he can so, build this but,
1: robot out of like the super alloy Z, but he can't make a decent bomb
0: shelter. Yeah, it's f- so many frustrating, it's frustrating points.
1: This this goes back to one of the anime mecha that we watched, where what the robots or the aliens like attacked. Um, a town or a military academy or whatever, and they were just like adults under rubble everywhere you looked. Remember when the kids came in and they're like looking for their moms and dads and whatever, and it's just like a pile of adult bodies, just like all under different bits of. Are color. you
0: talking about Space Carrier Blue
1: Noah when it just became the Orphan yes, the Club? the Orphan Club. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. yeah. So very similar to that, except only one uh, one grandfather and maybe not orphans. We're not sure. Yeah.
0: Don't really know how this is working but out. Dr. Right Goodstall but... so what's up with him? Yeah, he's like, hey, uh, <clears throat> I need you to go on the side of this control panel. Look over there. They look over there. Turns out, huge, huge, huge fighting robot. <laughs> like in the, in there the it is. Huge there metal is base. The face. They're just like, oh, my gosh, what is this? He explains to them. He gives them like the real download dirty detail. He's just like, I need you to use this. Dr. Hell, he's going to try to like destroy cities and stuff. Use this fighting robot. Beat his ass. And you're like... And oh, in this case, he goes. You can decide yeah. whether you want to be like a Superman. You can be like complete good, or you can be a total devil with this. And so it's really giving Koji the the ability to say, Do you want to be good or do you want to be bad? Because as we've learned so far, he kind of seems like he's a little bit of a prick. Like he's a real kind of badass. Like he's a he's a cool dude who breaks he's the a rules. The rebel without a cause. Like,
1: until his grandfather died in a terrible bombing, and then pilots a giant metal robot. Now he's got a cause. It's a robot
0: cause. Whoa, yeah. I like this. Two brothers. So uh, two brothers. It really is two brothers. <laughs> really? <laughs> so this is the uh this is the moment where, you know, he gets all of the responsibility yeah. bestowed upon him. And where, none of the instructions. You know, he and none of the instructions. Again, as we've said, all the technical writing that should have been done, you know, to maybe put together an instruction right. manual, not done at all whatsoever. So they get down there and this this scene, I feel like this scene took way longer than it needed you know, to. I, I was
1: because it was I was torn with this. It one. was
0: just yeah, it was just nonstop of Koji just hitting buttons and Shiro just being like, "Oh yeah, maybe you know, are you gonna figure out? Are you gonna be able to figure out how to do this, brother?" And it's just Koji just smashing buttons, punching a bunch of stuff. None of it made any sense. <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I'm torn on this because I don't like when um. You know, even if you're like, oh, he's an ace pilot. Oh, he's a genius intellect. He can figure anything out. Oh, he's a master programmer, whatever. You have, all, you have a ton of mech pilot characters from over the mech series uh, over the years. I hate when they just jump into something and can like instantly pilot it and they're great and it looks like they've been doing this all their lives. That being said, I think this was a little long. <laughs> this was a little frustrating with how long it took him to kind of like figure shit out but just like the tone that they, they did with it they had a couple jokes which I thought were funny there was one where Koji's trying to fly this little mini spaceship and pilot it into the head of Mazinger Z and he presses a button while he's leaning over and the hatch closes on him and it like pins it yeah. like you know it, it should just like snap them in half but I love that it just closed on him and they had a funny little moment about it and it happens a couple times uh, when he like lands in the head of Mazinger Z the, the wings are still sticking out so it doesn't seat itself down he's like how am I supposed to get in here? He pushes a button, the the wings collapse, and he slams them down into into the cockpit, and he like hits his head. It was fun, and it was funny. It was just a little long, and the brother didn't have enough to do other than just like complain about why it was taking so long. So,
0: I mean, this is all from the the genius insight that he gets from Dr. Kabuto, who just says, uh, with his full tutorial on how to fly this, he goes, you'll get over there and use those devices. (laughs) Oh, good. And that's, that's, it. But the good thing End is, of story. the good
1: thing is, this robot, like we said at the beginning of the show, this robot is perfect. It needs no improvements and no testing. <laughs> so if anything goes wrong, it's the kid's fault, essentially. Like right. if you can't figure it out, dummy, then that's that's your fault.
0: He eventually he eventually gets it going though, right? Right. So he he gets it going, uh, but he doesn't really know how to stop it no. or how to control it. So at this point, it sort of makes a pass to almost just dist- like. It scares the shit out of Shiro Shiro is booking it Shiro Shiro gets out of there as soon as possible he is running Mazinger Z is bursting out of the bottom of this destroyed rubble house knocking over trees just crashing through rocks stomping everywhere he is heading you know to presumably just to get Shiro it It looks like. like the only intent that this this robot this devil Z now at this point has is to go after Shiro and in this moment, where Shiro kind of trips and falls on the ground and thinks like, "Oh no, this is the end of it," suddenly we have a second robot yeah. that has a little human cockpit in its brain, to show up and save Shiro. It's a lady robot, and it's a lady robot. You, you know how I know it's a lady how robot? Can you tell? Because it has lady robot boobs. Of course it does. Why wouldn't it? I, I mean, I, I get it. Like you, again, you know, we we've talked about this. I feel like yeah. ad nauseum. Where you know for for some of these things like to instill sexuality into some of these robots like i get it you want to show that it's it's a female robot you want to understand that it's there but you know in these cases you're just like do, do you really need to make i mean it, it has a female pilot do we need robot breasts right. on the unless, front of this unless robot they're
1: functional and they nurse baby robots with like 10w40 oh, gross. or something But there's not, you know, Mazinger Z isn't hanging dong over here, so I don't know why you need to put boobs on a lady robot.
0: I'm sorry, what? Hanging dong as a
1: robot? Robot's not hanging dong. Hanging a At least from what I see. (laughs) Jesus. I don't know. After dark. Uh, No, it it just cracks me up with stuff like that. It's very silly. Um, It's not necessary this day and age. Yeah, 72, whatever. It was fine. It was interesting because it it opens up this whole new storytelling path where it's like we don't know who... um, <clears throat> who the girl is yet her name is Sayaka but we don't know who she is Yeah,
0: presumably she, ha- presumably she has an instruction manual yeah she's
1: at least been working with this thing for more than a couple of hours because she can like stop Mazinger Z from like crushing his you know Koji's brother to brother. death <laughs> um, which Koji by the way we should mention he wasn't doing this he wasn't piloting it he, he's like it's off on its own it's like it's going off in its own direction I can't control it I don't know, I can't stop it I don't know what's going on so it wasn't Koji trying to like crush his brother it was just the robot going wild But it turns out that Dr. Good's second-in-command is actually in communication with Sayaka. So whatever they've been doing to combat Dr. Hell in the meantime, they've been doing on the sly and are probably the support team going forward for Mazinger Z. Unfortunately, that's kind of where we leave it. Um, They do have a little kind of like back and forth between the two different robots with Mount Fuji in the background, which I thought was a really neat shot. But in the meantime, Dr. Hell sent two of his robots to Japan, and they are tearing shit
0: yeah I think the the final hmm. the final parts of this is we get asla in a submarine that looks like a in a submarine that docks with another submarine yeah. that has like an unbelievably tall periscope that's on top <laughs> yeah. of it where the body of the sub itself looks like a gold Fabergé egg that then just like brrr, like peters off into nowhere and you're like, no, all sure right, cool. we have two robots that are in Japan that are blowing stuff up and they are shooting missiles at I kid you not. They are canisters of what are labeled in the show as moon oil. Oh, that good old moon oil. They are blowing up good old our moon oil reserves, guys. That's not. We went to the moon to get oil. And I can't believe that they are destroying this natural resource that we want. I don't know if you guys knew this, but the moon is hollow and it's completely full of oil. Moon oil. I mean, there's there's no other reason for us to go up there, you know, other than just like, you know, generic space exploration stuff.
1: But yeah, man, so Moon Oil, I love that they cut, like, um, it looked like the Eiffel Tower, but they're basically just, like, cutting um, structures in half, (laughs) just destroying everything, just for fun. So, unfortunately, we did not get to see a giant battle between uh, the two hero robots and the two villainous robots. Do you have anything else from this before I ask you if you do want to see some more?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's it. I mean, it just—it was very cut and dry. You know, there were just some moments of comedy that were kind of thrown in there. But you know, this—you know—we've we, talked about this before, uh, and I know that you criticized this heavily. You know, with a uh, with everything regarding Neon Genesis Evangelion. This is this was a setup to a future battle. Except, I think that the only bonus with Evangelion is that they were in those like in the final seconds of that first episode, like they are locked and loaded and ready to go for episode right. two with episode two for Mazinger Z. I feel like there's going to be a lot of instruction manual talking and I feel like there's going to be a bunch of tutorials. Maybe Koji does a hello world in terms of trying to figure out how to program this machine. Just a bunch of basic crap that I'm like, Ugh, but okay. At the same time, cool. like
1: how long can they wait while these two robots are tearing up Japan? You know, they've kind of got to get in there and get to know. action and maybe just like, I guarantee it's going to be one of these things where he has like a, a moment of inspiration and he's able to defeat them temporarily because he's made of that, like, super crazy metal stuff. Uh, or just nip lasers. Or just nip laser them. Just take them both out. Yeah. And, and get right then up. get to what you said about, like, the, you, you've never, you haven't even been trained in this, and how dare you this and that. And, yeah. it. I can see where it's going to go.
0: I'm kind of curious to watch it, though. but uh, Yeah, I'm a little yeah. bit curious. Well, yeah. hey, you know what? Guys, we have opinions sure. about this show. Turns out, you guys on the internet You guys also have some opinions as well. (laughs) So we're going to turn this over to a longtime uh, friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away.
2: This week's Love It was written by Alfonso Enosa from Mexico on June twentieth, 2000. He titled this review, The One and Only Giant Robot. This is one of the best giant robot anime cartoon of all time. The animation is somewhat dated, but the originality of the characters, especially Baron Ashura and Viscount Pigman, remain quite striking and not easily forgotten. The mechanical beasts are also amazing, not two being alike. As with many other anime, Mazinger Z, known as Transor Z in the US, suffered from censorship all over the world and is hard to know if the version released in the US is uncut. And You're Hated came via Amazon, written by Carlos Hernandez, who gave it a rating of one out of five stars on January 27th, 2015. He said, not in English.
0: We want Bobby to form with us into like a giant fighting robot, like in a Voltron style. Like a flesh bot? No. Why would, you, why would you even say that? That's No, if like we all had robots. Oh. I want Bobby Anthem. I want Bobby Anthem to pilot. That God, makes hundred percent more sense than what, what I was thinking. What the fuck, dude?
1: <laughs> I just thought we were each going to be a like one blood? of Bobby Anthem's fists, and he would just swing us around. I don't think that.
0: I don't think that that's how that works. Well, but...
1: I'm actually disappointed <laughs> that I went there, and not just that we were three dudes piloting
0: robots that
1: fit together. It's been yeah, a long no. day. It's been a long day. Hey, this is let's unreal. get back to or oh, no. Z. So. Do you recommend it, and if not, does it get the dip, meaning that it is erased from all existence?
0: I, I'm gonna recommend nice. this. I'm gonna recommend this because I am curious to watch what happens in episode two. Uh, I think for that alone, I'm kind of curious to see if it's something that, if it continues with sort of those those tropes that we have seen time and time again, where he has that stroke of genius and is able to defeat everything with no training and no ability whatsoever. I just really want to see that nip laser in action and see if that has any impact or effect on these other robots. But I think in the long term for the rest of this show, I don't know that it's going to be something that really kind of like pulls me in and and keeps me entertained. Uh, So I'd say... Check out episode one and two if you can, uh, but I'd say tread with caution. Yeah, for me, I'll recommend
1: it because I pretty much recommend most mecha anime anyway. This is one of the like OGs going back towards like the Gigantor era, things like that. So for me, it was neat. I'd never seen it before, so it was a cool introduction. I really like the characters, surprisingly. I'm not as jazzed about the robots, which is weird for me, um, but I'd like to see more of what they can do and, and how right. they kind of build the story from here. I really do like the characters. I like what they set up. I want to know more about Asla and whatever's going on there. Um, so yeah, I'd say I recommend it. So that's sort of two for two or one for one. Got it. Yeah. All right, bud. What else is going on out there <sighs> in the real world?
0: Hey, guys. As always, I do live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find shows, tickets, times, everything with dc.org. Mm-hmm. A lot of pauses, a lot of intentional pauses that Make I'm adding sure you're paying in here. attention I am su- yeah I'm super under the weather, guys, so thanks for bearing with me today.
1: Good job is that he's having an allergic reaction to Japanium, so
0: he'll pull through yeah you can uh yeah. you could find me. I will be the turns out uh the only cure for Japanium is uh just an intense amount of DayQuil mm. all day long um guys, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Sean paul Ellis underscore sudafed <laughs> nice. Uh, you can find me on twitter at dr claw
1: MD. you can also find me on collider.com nerdist.com and davetrumbore.com if you want to find out more about the show we would love it if you'd head on over to patreon.com saturday morning cartoons with a, a small monthly tip to the both of us that helps us to improve the show you'll get access to our newsletter news about upcoming shows and other things that we're doing and a bunch of cool insights into the making of saturday morning cartoons um, you can also find us on our website saturdaymorningcartoons.com remember it's morning with a U. You can follow us on Twitter at Saturday. Oh, no, it's just Morning Tunes still, right?
0: Yeah, it's still just morning Tunes. Saturday morning Tunes. I just, our, our, our name on Twitter now, because of some changes uh, on twitter.com, is that we can have our full Saturday Morning Cartoons podcast mm-hmm. name. Okay, cool.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Check out Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page. Keep the conversation going on Facebook. And listen to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, if you want to get a suggestion in, drop us a line. SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com That's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week. We'll have another listener and suggestion and possibly a guest as well. Fun times in November. We hope you're all safe and warm and happy out there. Thank you for listening, and we will see you
2: next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.